Hello, and welcome to the Common Geeking Program. We are a book club style podcast where each episode we discuss a different topic from our own geeky and nudie perspectives. I am your host, Jeff Levitt, and this week we are going to be taking a look at Dune, the new one, not the old one or the book. Uh, <laughs> and this time around, I am joined by... Hello, it's me, Colin. I have a lot of thoughts about the film Dune, part one, 2021. And unfortunately, you're about to hear them. Good stuff. Hi. I'm Time Wolf, or Chatter, whichever you prefer. Uh, by the time we decided for sure we were going to do a thing on Dune, uh, it was hard to, like, see Dune in theaters because, like, it's, like, one showing yeah. and yeah. Uh, a day, so I didn't get the chance to watch Dune, so I will play the role of guy who doesn't know anything and thus will force the others to, you know, make it easy to understand, hopefully. Oh, that's great. I didn't even know you hadn't seen Dune. That's... Uh, I'm so excited because that means we have three levels of understanding. <laughs> we have Chowder, which is, actually Chowder, I have a question. This is a very important question. Uh, before we dive in, uh, Dune 2021, I guess you could call it a remake because in 1984, David yeah. Lynch directed a film called Dune that was bad. I haven't seen it. Yeah. And I have not Chowder, seen it, either, it seems actually. it seems like the kind of movie you would have seen. Is that a crazy assumption? <laughs> I have seen the David Lynch movie. Okay, cool. It's awesome. fucking batshit. Yeah, okay. It, and cool. and not not in a good way. It's just regular right. old what the fuck it does have some really cool effects though oh they looked at it more recently on one of those uh vfx artists react episodes. yeah ah, yes. the, the square the square man fight the geometry fight yeah. between the doo dude <laughs> well i was just thinking about the fucking the the like wide shot of like when they arrive on of the worm is probably oh yeah no, that's no, also and, pretty and similar the, like, the whole thing is like they've got you know, is like done with a miniature and then they have a hole cut out in the miniature where they have real people filming way ways back yep so that they can like yeah that was a really cool. clever anyway, shot that's not but, our um, shtick but no not at all <laughs> anyway so so we have three levels of understanding we have seen the the original dune adaptation from 1984 then we have jeff uh, who has seen Den denis villeneuve's 2021 dune part one and then yeah. we have me i have not seen the david lynch version but before i saw this movie i did in fact read the novel so i think okay, we're gonna get it yeah I'm i think we're gonna very has. get a very interesting confluence of opinions and feelings as we bring chatter up to speed on dune <laughs> yeah all right well we are going to start off by summarizing and discussing Dune, and then we'll end off with our little rating section where we decide if it was worthwhile and enjoyable. You guys want to get on into the summary? So badly, baby! Let's do it. All right, Dune. Okay, where do we want to start with this? Okay, so I, can, setting... I can start with this if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. You're probably going to so, do a more cohesive job than I am having read the book. <laughs> yeah, so... And, and understanding some of these things a little bit better. The backstory of what Dune is. Dune, uh, I'm going to be making a decent amount of comparisons between Dune and Lord of the Rings, both the books and the films, just because yeah, Lord of the Rings, it, it I think, felt... is more of a solid anchor point for a lot of people, and there are reasons yeah. they're so closely compared. Yeah, I was going to say, like, when watching the movie, it definitely gave me some, some Lord of the Rings vibes. So Dune was, I think it was 1965. It was a, it was a novel... Uh, by Frank Herbert, went on to be one of the, I think it might be the best-selling sci-fi book ever. I'd have to double-check to see if that's still the case. Um, but if not the best, one of the best 
best-selling sci-fi novels of all time. It is uh, it is a book about um, uh, a lot of politics as like a space empire some 12,000 years in the future, uh, totally detached from our uh, reality and history because of its distance of people trying to just keep their own power. And this one group of people has moved to a desert planet called Dune. And once we move there, the politics gets intertwined with ecology. And as a result, this book is considered very dense and very difficult to read, oh, much like Lord of the a, Rings. Wait a, wait a goddamn second. Mm -hmm. The planet is named Dune in the book? The planet is called Arrakis. That is the name of the planet. Okay. But That's it is colloquially referred to as Dune, which only happens once in the film. Um, oh, I didn't even pick that up. But yeah I, yeah, I really had no idea why it was called Dune. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, for the most part, I will just get out and say this right up front. I'm not going to have to interject about the book a ton because the movie that we're discussing spot remarkably accurate. Which Un is crazy. Unlike the David uh, David Lynch film, which is not <laughs> accurate at all. Like I've like yeah. <laughs> se seen a video where that like breaks down the differences, and uh, yeah, night and day, very much. So, Colin, I, let me try just for for my own sake, really. I would like to try to jump into the summary here a little bit Please and just do. make sure that my understanding of the general plot and like you know, po politics of it is largely correct. So correct me. I kind of like for you to do that because uh, yeah. uh, most of the stuff I want to say is like, for how complicated the book is, and this is how it's like in Lord of the Rings. I think I said this in our C uh, common briefing program, where Lord of the Rings is very big on like the geography of things and the history yeah. of things. This is very big on the politics and the ecology. So in the same way, when the movie finally comes out and it's good, it's just like, I know you didn't get everything from the book, but how the fuck did yeah. you make it so watchable <laughs> and so comprehensive? Like, so I'm actually yeah. really interested in, in you being like in this Goldilocks zone and Chowder and I are just going to yank you in two very different directions. Yeah, because like Dune is something that I've been aware of for a very long time, but I never yeah, read the book. I never saw worms. the original. I never saw the original or I never yeah, saw the original movie. Mm -hmm. I knew hardly anything about it other than it was a sci-fi novel that had a movie that was bad and now it's got a new movie. Like that was pretty much all I knew and worms. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so, all anybody knows about Dune is worms. Yeah. Um, and also that the planet's made of cocaine. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait to explain to you guys what spice actually is in case the first movie Cocaine didn't that, like, fucking turns you into a goddamn fucking fetus teleport baby. That's what happened in the David Lynch one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is correct. Anyway, Jeff, um, hit me with your summary of Dune, and I okay, will do so, the thing I love to do, which is correct you. So we've got we've got four, at least so far, four main uh, like populations, groups of people. Um, we've got, I mean, the I mean, this is the least like concrete of them, but we have the Empire, right? Like generally, mm -hmm. um, of which all of these are technically subjects of, but like the the fucking like the capital T empire kind of plays a plays a role in this as its sort of own group pulling the strings. Um, we've got uh, the family of our main guys. What is the their Atreides. Atreides, Atreides. That's what it is. Yep. Um, yeah. They're, they're just a bunch of regular folk for the most part. I mean, like compared to the other ones, <laughs> uh, we've got the fucking Tuscan Raiders, uh, the, whatever the they're called. What the Harkonnens, the Harkonnens are the primary antagonistic force in the book and the film. Uh, they, oh, they, that's they, interesting. 
I did not the interpret it that way. <laughs> well, the heart. Oh no! Oh no! Them. Oh, sorry, the, you're thinking. The sorry, Tuscan you're thinking Raiders of the, being the people who the blue-eyed the people Fremen. who actually live on the planet. The Fremen, the Fremen yeah, the, are the people. I won't say indigenous to Arrakis, but they are the people right, that because, inhabit Arrakis. Yeah, they're the the most indigenous to Arrakis. If that's yeah. a fucking spectrum, and they've got blue eyes because they fucking breathe in the spice all the time, and it affects them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Harkonnen, the fucking the everyone's bald faction. Um, that has Dave Batista in it. And they're, fucking yeah, Stellan Skarsgård is their boss. Excellent casting. Yeah. As, a, as the Baron. So good. So what good. else does... Is he the fucking uncle or the brother or whatever in, in Breaking Bad? Is that who no, that guy no, is? No, he's not. You know who he is? He's the professor in the Thor movies and Avengers. Oh, gosh. He was under so much makeup that I didn't realize yep. that. that Doctor, guy, I was Doctor... Yeah, what's yeah, his yeah. name? What's his fucking name? Crap. Selvig. Selfing, in, the, in yeah. the Avengers movies. Yeah, he's he's really good in this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the main antagonistic force. And so basically the, the, the setup of the plot here, right, is that this world, uh, like spider world, Arrakis, there's no spiders, but it's fucking called Arrakis. Like you couldn't have named it something based on worms. I don't goddamn know. Whatever. <laughs> um, it, it's this planet that is mostly desert and it has this thing called Spice which is a really valuable resource for a bunch of different reasons that is not totally delved into. They use it for teleportation yep. for sure. So it's not maybe ex- also a drug. Explicitly, so the spice as they describe it in the film is mm-hmm. um, what uh, because Zendaya, who plays Chani, does the voiceover in the beginning. She says that yeah. without spice the spacing guild cannot fly their ships uh, at superluminal speeds. That's about as deep as it kind of goes. They say it's a psychoactive. And I don't know... I don't know what it does in the book, but in the David Lynch movie, right, isn't it that, like, fucking someone just had like a fuck ton of spice until they were a fetus baby that could then teleport the ships or something? Pretty much, and that does, I mean, that does tip sort of the hat towards what it is in the book. I mean, I mean, Spice, as far as I can tell, plays the role of, like, the the key or the magic system of this yeah, world where it just does sure. whatever they so need it, goes, it to. I mean, like... It goes yeah. a lot deeper than that. I will say the book is incredibly specific about what it does, but what I liked about the book, it, it actually kind of, like, put me off at first, because uh, the intro monologue is not too expository. It's pretty quick. It's not like the eight-minute Lord of the Rings sequence we got um explaining like this is what the rings are. squad Exa- yeah exactly half of the first <laughs> suicide squad movie but um no it, it's pretty quick but it immediately describes what spice is and in the book it is not clear like they mentioned that it's important and you're viewing this through the eyes of paul who's a teenager who's the main character and like i I take notes on the books that I write, and if you read the notes on my read-through of Dune, the like the underlying thread is me trying to figure out what spice is. And what at the end of the book, is, when, yeah. I, when I finally realize it, I'm like all caps writing like, ah, I figured it out! And the movie doesn't spoil all of it, but it does have some pretty specific properties. <laughs> the fucking naming conventions in this fucking franchise. It's like, we have all these fucking sci-fi names and these like obscure tribes that yeah. are like, yes. you know, clearly, you know, have like devolved or like you know evolved in different ways from living on different planets and our uh-huh. fucking main character's name is paul paul 
It's the funniest and it's shit like, ever. Here's the thing. So much of his family is, is also exotically named, which makes that funny. But right, the only yeah. other family character that sticks around for long enough to matter is named Jessica. And it's like, <laughs> guys, Frank, Frank, my man, Mr. Herbert. You came oh, up with Christ. the Benny Gesserit, the Kwisatz Haderach, Arrakis, Baron Harkonnen, the Padishah Emperor, and fucking Paul? <laughs> Are you kidding me? So, any, anyway, anyway. I mean, somebody has to be the white POV character. True. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wouldn't be a white well, savior book without that. Yeah. No kidding. Um, so, this is, that's the, that's Arrakis. That's the Spice World. That's mainly where the place is set. The Harkonnens, the, the uh, main antagonists, uh, have been like the sort of ruling class on Arrakis for a very long time um, and kind of, you know, subjugated and oppressed the Fremen. And the the sort of like, you know, in the prologue of this story, basically the like setting up, you know, the dynamics that are going on. The Empire has decided to move the Harkonnen off of Arrakis and instead give the rule of the planet over to House Atreides, who is where our main character is from, Paul Atreides. He's the prince, yes. I guess you would call him, of the... It He's like the the son of the ruler of House Atreides, yeah. who is played it, by fucking uh, what's his face, Timothy Chalamet. No, uh, yes, I meant uh, oh, Oscar his father Isaacs. Uh, yeah, Oscar Isaac plays his father, Duke Leto Atreides. Yeah, so um, I, that, that's it's, kind of the 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 pre setup narrative here. Is like that's the thing that you know is kind of the the driving force of the movie is now House Atreides is moving to Arrakis. And, like, it's supposed to be this great honor because, like, Arrakis made the Harkonnen, like, absurdly wealthy, like, even more wealthy than the Empire because they were the ones that controlled the in and out of the spice, which is, like, the most valuable, you know, everything resource in this setting. Yeah. Then there's this whole other dynamic with, like, fucking, so, like, that that's Paul from his dad's side, but his mom is, like, some fucking, like, witch or some shit that I, yeah. may or may not so be related to spice. And it gives him like this superpower to like have a voice where he can just tell people what to do. That so, part I was a little yeah. wishy-washy on the exact specifics of, but yeah. the movie pissed. the movie glosses uh. <laughs> over that pretty quickly. But I can explain this yeah. in the context of the book. So sure. uh, Jessica is a member of an order called the Bene Gesserit. <laughs> Um, yeah. I think I, something I actually want to compliment the movie on is like it uses, uh, you know, different languages, it uses subtitles and it uses uh, the voice as you described. Um, and, and the subtitling of that is pretty clever because someone saying the words Bene Gesserit in conversation, it's it's nonsense words. It just bounces off your skull. I think the movie was pretty mm -hmm. deliberate in like when it subtitled things to make sure that you not only heard these things, but you did get to read them at least once. I'm not saying you'll always get that on your first viewing, mm. but that's something I want to compliment. Like that was that was pretty, pretty deft and pretty clever. But the Bene Gesserit is an ancient order of people trying to produce something called the Kwisatz Haderach. The Kwisatz Haderach is essentially like a super person, someone that a chosen can... one, basically. Yeah, it's kind of a chosen one arc. I really like how the book subverts the chosen one narrative, and the movie seems like it's on its way to replicate that. Um, but essentially, because, the Bene Gesserit, like, the, the implication, they... right, is that the 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 whole reason why his mother had him in the first place is because she was thinking that he was going to be this chosen one. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. 
Yeah, the the uh, the, the Ben and Jezreel is a completely female order, and uh, basically, if uh, Mother Helen uh, Goheim, who's the lady who did the the box thing, the Gamjabar, she says like you were supposed to have a girl, implying that you can control the the biological sex of your child, but you chose to have a boy. And it's oh, like they've been they have been planning the genealogy for hundreds of years. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of figured this was just like you know how how it was in real world medieval Europe, where like they just blamed <laughs> the women for having girls, even though even though that's not in their control. Re- really, just seems like your fault for having a patriarchal government. But okay. Well, that's that's <laughs> the interesting thing is in the politics of the book, the Ben and Jesuit are very powerful. The movie pays lip service to it; it just doesn't spend a lot of time on it like we see the Bene Gesserit coming to Caladan the planet where Atreides begin it's a lovely ocean planet and they're coming there and you're like okay they're talking about their plans to control everything and then you see that same lady go to the Harkonnens on their planet Gaty Prime yeah and uh, and talking to them so like the Bene Gesserit are this sort of agnostic group that have their own agenda of trying to create the super person I also want to explain a concept that the movie doesn't which is the Mentats so do you guys remember in the movie uh Chowder in the old one Jeff in the new one there's a character named <laughs> Thufir Hawat. If you don't recognize the name, in the new movie, he was sort of the short, stout guy with the black uh, line on his chin, and he, like, rolled his eyes back into his head and did some crazy calculations. Yeah, vaguely. Like, I remember that so, specifically. I don't remember anything else about it. <laughs> yeah, he, his character, I imagine, will be a lot more in part two, but he's a mentat, as was David Damalschen's character, who also had the weird little lip tattoo. Mentats are mental are like human computers uh in the, the fucking, history wait, of the the like second in command of the harkonnen the fucking polka dot man that who are you talking about yeah po- polka dot man from the suicide squad we've now referenced the suicide. suicide squad and, and the, suicide, the suicide, squad. suicide squad so if the naming yeah. of dune on its own wasn't confusing enough let's get into <laughs> dc uh no fuck it let's get into the x fox x-men movies <laughs> So, so, so just real quick, in the in the world of Dune, uh, you cannot create a computer that would serve the purpose of a person. Uh, the idea of of humanity oh. is very important. So, Mentats are trained to be human supercomputers. And in in the book, it explains that Paul has been receiving Mentat training, but secretly it was the Benny Gesserit trying to like push him in a specific direction without him realizing it. That's some oh. context that the movie kind of leaves out. And it plays into the idea that this stuff like the voice and the stuff like this predicting the future, the book never portrays it as magic. And in the movie, I like that it kind of looks like magic, but it is meant to be more grounded. Yeah. Like, these are just supposed to be scientific and skill advancements. Right. Interesting. Yeah, they, they don't really explain. I'm, I'm guessing, like, you know, there's, like, lots of points where it seems like context, context is missing in the movie that... Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, inclined to give to the benefit of the doubt and just assuming that they're waiting to, like, you know, not drop yeah. all of their exposition in one movie and save some concepts that don't really, you know, matter yeah. so much in the first one for the second one, you know, mm-hmm. like the, drop the hints that they exist, the but way. not bother explaining everything like that. That yeah. feels like it makes sense. It's um, a, I, you're right about that. If if the if its attachment to the book is anything to to go off of, part two will have a lot more answers than questions right yeah and so okay so these are our our factions and and the roles that they play largely um so they're on arrakis now the the arcades family uh and 
like the Atreides. part of Atreides the Atreides is on Arrakis. Atreides. Sorry, I'm gonna say it wrong. I'm gonna say it wrong. <laughs> what? Atreides. I don't know what the fuck Arcades is or where that's coming from. It just fucking sounds similar. But uh, Arrakis um, and Atreides, uh, they come together and they form an excellent chain of video game establishments. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the Atreides family is on Arrakis now, which also, you know. If we fucking didn't mention the other big thing about uh, about Arrakis is the fucking giant worms that swim through the sand and try to eat shit uh, yep. all the time is another thing that makes the planet very dangerous. Um, so, like, part of the conflict here is that they're finding that, like, a lot of the, like, uh, conditions of the, like, resources and tools and shit was kind of they're kind of like left in disrepair from the Harkonnen family and there's this whole Mm -hmm. thing about like basically they're being set up to fail you know being the family now put in charge of this hugely important thing um which does kind of turn out to be the case right like it turns out that yeah you know the the empire like i it's unclear if this was like if if the if the Harkonnen knew about this from the get-go or like brought into the circle later but i I think something that I liked, what I worried about coming into the movie is, like, how are you going to boil down these politics into something, like, both interesting and comprehensible? But the the movie's super streamlined, because on Caladan, right before they leave, uh, the Duke says to Paul, his son, like, um... This is a trap. We are becoming powerful, and the Empire doesn't like that. So they're doing this yeah. to fuck us over and fuck over the Harkonnens. And like in, oh, in the book, it's 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 pretty. It's like you really need to like read a lot into the politics. It's like eight or nine chapters yeah. before they really get into that. But like that one conversation on Caladan summed it up in a way that I was like, kind of wish the the book did that. Honestly, yeah. like you don't have to detract that, from like, the complexity, but that really helped. That was very concise. That part of it, that part of it made sense to me, especially like throughout the movie. The thing that I wasn't sure about um, was whether the Harkonnen were equally being manipulated by no. the Empire yes, or yeah. if they were like the in on it. are also gaming for power. Uh, for sure. Uh, in, in the book, we actually do see a little more from the POV of the Baron, but you see it in the movie mm. too. He's like working with his nephew to try to like, he's also trying to game the system. That's why he's working with the Bene yeah. Gesserit. Like it's all, it's all politics and money. Uh, I and is the implication ask... that he is the way that he is because of Spice, like able to fucking float and shit? No, no, no. The, that, that uh, him able to float being able to float is just because like he's overweight and he uses like anti-gravity technology to help him move around. It's like a yeah, gotcha. And I I really like the aesthetic of it. Um, I haven't seen the original Chowder. Um, two questions. One, at this point in the description of Dude 2021, does this sound at all like it 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 matches what happened in the first movie, or is there like an extreme difference here? Uh, shit. Uh, let's see. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't put a lot of thought into the <laughs> politics of Dune. They just kind of were like, oh, you're the like chosen Like David Lynch one. just wanted to make a trippy flick about some fucking sci-fi shit. They didn't yeah. care about the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for, for one thing, uh, they don't really talk that much about the Empire. Uh, ah. And like... Yeah, doesn't Sting just come out as the Emperor at the end of the movie? And that's kind of like out of fucking left field. <laughs> Yeah, he also comes out in a Speedo. That, that, that's kind of the problem. I was mostly distracted by the Speedo to be pay, paying attention. <laughs> 
yeah, no speedos in in Denny and Denny Villeneuve's interpretation. But yeah, no, that's disappointing. I mean, like, so Jeff, yeah, you're missing the context. But so far, honestly, like you've got it, you've got it correct, and like it would mm. properly summarize both the book and the film. Yeah, and it like. It's weird because like the movie takes its time with a lot of things, but like Big the time. the uh like the politics, like there's a complexity to it, but there's also kind of like a, a simplicity to it. Like it there aren't that many yeah. things to break down. It's just it doesn't like lay everything out for you. It just like I, think, I mean it does yeah. and it doesn't. You know, I think like I actually, it, I, I, I view this as a favorable comparison to Lord of the Rings. Like, again, yeah. you got politics for Dune, geography for Lord of the Rings. And, like, in the books, they are uh, J.R.R. Tolkien is so detailed about, like, where they're going, where it is in relation to everything else. And, like, it's hard to follow without a map because he is so explicit. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, they're like, we need to go to the Pass of Caradras. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? And then you see them on top right. of a mountain. You're like, I don't care what they just said. We're on a mountain now. And it's like, yeah, I think yeah. both <laughs> movies really get a good grip on how to boil it down. So, like, you have just enough to get by. But you also have right. questions, and you can go to the book for answers if you want. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, but, like, you know, saying that it's, like, really deep on politics or whatever is just, like, at least so far, it's, like, eh, you know, largely it's I don't, simple. Yeah. It's kind of I don't rich think with the, the politics, yeah, like the problem but it's not, like... It's yeah, not the problem super the, complicated. Yeah. No. The problem with the David Lynch movie is it's just like the Baron is the bad guy who like is behind all the shit, all the right. shit going wrong. Yeah. And that and, that is an also, oversimplification. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like he's not like the cunning charismatic uh uh dude playing for power in the book. He's just a big fat ugly bastard who just yells and does yeah no he is he is he is not charismatic he's cunning but he is not charismatic at all but no i think i think that's a credit to to the movie jeff because like the politics are rich in the book very very rich i think that that is most of the intrigue of it aside from learning about the planet itself um but it doesn't become a distraction the way i was worried it would be in the movie yeah no i would say that um so i mean like if we want to get through like the rest of the plot again, like it's you know there's, it takes its time with a lot of things. Lot of so the plot, honestly, it's yeah, pretty, not not it's a pretty ton. moody. Like basically, like the Harkonnen co- kind of end up coming and invading Arrakis to like take their shit back, and uh, well, not before fucking... we get introduced to the effects of the spice and seeing a sandworm. Right? Yeah, true. We do get to see a sandworm, and we also get a little bit of characterization for for fucking Oscar Isaacs because. You know, he's in charge of this hugely profitable planet. He's like the leading head of a ruling class or whatever. But he cares more about getting the fucking 12 people working on the thing out instead of saving the spice. So that that's a yeah. good bit of characterization. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, and the um the there's another character here um named shoot. It's a Fremen. We don't know it's a Fremen. They're the planetary ecologist uh, named uh, Liet Kynes. Uh, in the movie, what do you mean I don't, we don't know if she's a Fremen. She's got fucking blue eyes. She does, but like she's she plays all coy. Uh, also in the book, uh, definitely was a white dude, and I was pleasantly surprised by the gender <laughs> and 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 race agnostic casting of this character because this actress, yeah. I gotta look up her name. She kicked ass. Uh, but basically, like this person is supposed to be an impartial arbiter of the transition of power, but also has no power to like report anything to the Empire. So like. 
their one advocate sees that the Harkonnens blew up all their shit and sabotaged all their escape things and is just like, I don't know, get fucked, guys. Sorry. And then that's why fucking <laughs> Oscar Isaac, the Duke, is like, we're about to lose this fucking spice processor, spice harvester, and I need to get my men out of there. And it's it's a very flashy sequence. Have we said that this movie yeah. is stunningly gorgeous? It is, yeah. It's got a lot of, like, really great effects. Like, the fucking... Um... And, you know, it gives you the time to look at them, but it, it's not, like, super flashy, you know? Yeah. Um, like, the, uh, the fucking, the, the, like, dragonfly helicopter things. Yeah, the, uh, cool. the ornithopters, uh, are very and, uh, true to the fucking, I, I think I saw a YouTube video, like, a, a thumbnail of a YouTube video of someone breaking this down, and I don't know if, like, the fucking, like, mechanics of the sandworm were broken down, but it was really interesting like the um when the sandworms start showing up the fucking the ground starts like bubbling yeah. in a sort of way which is yeah, really i don't again i don't i don't know if that's like a recent thing that some you know effects artists added into it or like the scriptwriter or whatever or if that was like baked into the original source material but like the... if you've seen any youtube videos of like what happens when you put like air like a specific like air pump into sand it basically makes it like really liquidy which kind yeah. of like it's sort of like, you know, without really going into it, but just like as a, as a visual cue, if you are aware of that scientific principle, it explains how the sandworms actually like swim through the sand instead of just, you know, fucking like, yeah. like you know, I'll being in that the... fucking Scrooge McDuck kind of problem where it's like, oh, you think you could jump into a <laughs> pile can... of gold, but you would hit the ground real hard because it is solid matter. The book goes you know? <laughs> into a lot of how the worms actually function, but I but it, it leaves that out. Yeah, there are actual animals in real life that can, like, uh, uh, swim, I guess, quote-unquote, swim through sand, although they tend to sure, be Sure, but small. the fucking sandworms are gigantic. The size. Yeah, yeah, they the tend to be sand. They tend to be small around. lizards and snakes, yeah. not yeah. big fuck-off worms. So, yeah, the, the visual right. that we're seeing, like, when uh, fucking Josh Brolin, Thanos, oh, crap, what's it, Gurney Halleck, and Paul. Oh, I forgot about Paul, him. Yeah, because Paul, like, when <laughs> they're trying cool. to evacuate the harvester, Paul gets hit in the face with his with the spice and all his dreams yeah. that he's been having get like way more intense so thanos has to yank him out of there and the the sand Whoa, you were tripping it, like, out <laughs> exactly but the sand it yeah it does seem to like gain liquid properties as they sink into it and they barely escape it's visually stunning and it did quickly teach me like oh this is a property of sand that i hadn't considered and having read yeah. the book, it doesn't get into, like, the emulsification of sand at all. Which um, is so fucking cool, because, like, the I definitely would be sitting there so being like, well, out. worms can't really swim through sand if they're that big. And adding nah, that effect for the visual is, like... The fucking like science so part of my brain looks at it, I'm like, I fucking love that someone thought of that as a yes. as a stupid explanation for how they can actually how that actually works. Cause like that's so fucking cool. The attention the attention to visual detail is so key in teaching about the work uh teaching about the world because like the the book dives into a lot of stuff in detail. Movies can't do that and still be interesting. So the amount yeah. of detail that they have to pay to the shields. Yeah, just like having the entire plot and movie just stop and they just like turn to the camera and go, okay, so this is how sand works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and the movie is so deft at it. Just like even the attention to like how heat would affect light passing into the camera and the way that you can see the heat off the sand yeah. looking different from the heat from the engines of things. The way that shields work because people have personal shields uh buildings have shields around them 
uh, like early on when Gurney, Halleck, and Paul are training, uh, Paul is told you can't just stab. You need to like push something slowly through the shield to penetrate it. And we it's see sort that of like the... uh, it fucking reminds me of you know like fucking non-Newtonian fluids. You know, like when you yeah. hit them, they feel solid, but otherwise they're liquid. Like that's how yeah. that's the kind of vibes that it gave me, which and, like, is really that's... cool. That's a detail in the book. The book actually has something where, like, if you shoot the shields with an atomic weapon, because, you know, it was written in the 60s, we thought everything was going to be nuclear. But, like, if you right. hit something with an atomic-based weapon, the shield creates a massive explosion, so, like, nobody uses guns around shields. The movie skips over that and just leans into this fact. Yeah. And that I sounds mean, I mean, yeah, boring, that's something I, I really like visually about... Visually incredible how they communicate it. Yeah, and that's something I really like about Dune is that, like, it finds an elegant explanation for why is everyone using swords and hand-to-hand right, combat yeah. <laughs> in the future. Yeah. And the answer yeah. is they have these shields that work better against fast-moving objects such as yeah. bullets, but yeah. can't stop slow-moving objects. And such uh, as Chowder, not to spoil some of the visual effect shots, but what we see with the shield, so like Jeff said, after the Harvester scene, the Harkonnens attack to try to take the planet back, and we get scenes of like a dart a poison dart going through the Duke's personal shields and like it, it hits his shield and it stops and it like spins and spins and spins and slowly drills through before hitting him. And then we see that yeah. happen on a macro scale where they're dropping these orbital bombardments on the buildings. The, the, fucking bomb drills through the shield explodes the explosion fills the volume and shape of the shield and then the shield and pops then, like a bubble yeah. and the explosion spills out it's yeah and it's like this so is not just cool. beautiful and cool <laughs> to watch like cool on the sci-fi level it's like instead of being wordy like the book this is how it teaches you the mechanics of the world and i'm right. so like i'm so in love with it's it it's illustrative as like, of like the cool sci-fi yeah. mechanics in addition to being beautiful you know yeah and, it, and it's, like it's big like, explosions and fun and action stuff but it's like you know it, when it, making it's a like, movie it paints a picture think... for you if you're paying attention to those kinds of details yeah and when designing this as a film you need to think very far in advance like when writing the script like do i need yeah. to put this into words or how am i going to um how am i going to communicate this and clearly it's all thought out, um, and it seems like maybe that level of thought, I don't know how much it was given to the original Dune. I don't want to tell tales out of school, but the reputation precedes it. They mm -hmm. never addressed the uh, shields unless, except for like this one scene where they where they have a duel and they are covered in very- Rectangles. Very, in rectangles, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. They, are, <laughs> they are covered in rectangles and they- They, they have... fucking, uh, they only fight while cosplaying as Minecraft Steve, in the original <laughs> Dune. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's, that's the only time the shields ever come up. Otherwise, they just don't Wait, explain. that's it? They don't come up for the rest of the fucking movie? Yeah. yeah. Then why no. would you have an entire expository scene? <laughs> <laughs> I understand that the studio cut, like, an hour out of the movie. Again, it's just to show off the trippy visuals. No, no, like oh, like they like the duel is like a plot point, but like so like they use the shields in that duel, but like they never uh -huh. use the shields out beyond that duel. That's so, so weird because like we have to say expensive. Same... Like it takes a lot of. They're not fucking that's even true. using computer graphics to do that shit. They're just like that's true. It was all like painting on invisible cubes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But like the thing is in the books the shields are like these uh mostly invisible things that like if you're paying attention you'll see a small shimmer that 
probably would yeah. have been easier than CGI cubes. They weren't CGI, though. That, that was before the wide use of CGI. It was like literally... It was 1984. Uh, anyway. It was only two years after Tron, so it had only come yeah. so far. But yeah, uh, no... The I new thought they were using the effects. Tron tech, but oh, oh, okay, I see. Um, But yeah, the, Har- the Harkonnens invade, it, uh, and it sort of scatters everyone. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you want to pick up your interpretation any further. Well, yeah, so that was one of my complaints of the... I mean, it, it might, you know, obviously like staying true to whatever but like we get introduced to a number of characters and almost all of them die in this movie and it's just like well then maybe we could have spent a little bit more time characterizing the ones who ended up living rather you know like i i get it you don't want to show your hand or whatever but like almost every character in this movie dies yeah and it's like the only character so like the start of the sequence like oscar isaac's oscar isaac's character dies and with that dart like you know colin said the dart actually doesn't yeah yeah the dart doesn't kill him but then we find out exactly like how is like their their family doctor or you know um Mm -hmm. basically his his like wife and child i think were kidnapped by the by the harkonnens or or Mm -hmm. something to that effect and they were basically like you know saying like oh we'll we'll let them go if you you know betray your family and he's like really reluctant about it but you know he's got to do it so he explains this all to oscar isaacs who's paralyzed from the start and then he's like here but also like fuck those guys who kidnapped my family here's a fucking like poison mist tooth that you can put in your mouth cuz they're defo going to kill you so right before they kill you just let us squash on this tooth and kill all of them too um and he does that except the uh the the fat man probably I, I, goddamn god only knows why since he was like in the he was the closest person to him he's able to survive this uh and they put him in like a detox bath or whatever. And that's yeah. largely where he is for the rest of the movie. Um, the, the movie makes a lot of hay about like this is a trap. Us, the yeah. Atreides family ge- being given Arrakis is a trap. But that's kind of the most that we're told until uh, the place actually gets invaded. You know, like we know right, the Baron's yeah. planning it, but then we see the invasion. And then it reveals that the doctor betrayed them. The doctor who has not really been in more than two scenes before this. Um, yeah. In the book, there's actually an entire chapter from the doctor's point of view explaining his situation and, like, the struggle he's going through. Uh, Gurney Halleck actually misinterpreted stuff from the doctor and thought that Jessica was the one who betrayed the family. And, like, that oh. is... I'm, the movie didn't really set that up. And so in what would be part two, Thanos may actually, like, try to kill Paul's mom if they do follow up on that. Oh, he's that's alive. That's a piece of intrigue. Uh, according to the book, yeah, Gurney Halleck is absolutely alive. Um... But all the other characters, yeah, because they didn't Yue, really like the they kind of they kind of just drop off with him because like they basically yeah. he's like one the person like leading the charge into battle, and then we mm-hmm. just see like a a fuck ton of explosions and we don't see yeah. him die specifically. But I had no. assumed so that yeah. that's good. That Honestly, in, in, in the book, I had assumed he died too, and then he just popped up later. So you'll probably see more of him. The ones who do die though, uh, we see um, the dad, man whose John, name uh, we have. The dad dies because he crunched on that too. Um, yeah. The doctor Yua is killed. The betrayer yeah, is killed. Betrayed, There's betrayed another character Harvard, yeah. whose whose name we haven't mentioned, uh, be, which is you want to talk about strange naming. You have Paul. You have all these crazy sci-fi names, and then you have a man named Duncan Idaho, and it just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
He's played I by just, Jason Momoa. He's played by Jason Momoa. He's sort of he's a soldier for the Duke that is like really friendly with Paul. He also yeah. eats the big beef in the sky at some point in this movie, which is sad because I. But again, very yeah. By the he book. was the one I was expecting to live because they they're pretty sparse. They with built him, him up in the movie. Yeah, they built. They talk about him a lot, and he's like, but he doesn't actually show up for like that many scenes or anything like yeah. that. So I was a little surprised that he ended up yeah, dying. But I wanted to mention also, Duncan so, okay, Idaho. That, that, he, his yeah. name actually gives me questions about the setting of this movie. Is this yeah. like is Dune set in a like in our reality in the far, far, far future, or is it yes. like a Star Wars like far, far away galaxy kind of shit? It is explicitly in our future, I believe. Okay, is it twelve thousand years or fifty thousand years? I also just read Foundation, so I might be confusing some stuff between Dune and Foundation. But um, but yeah, basically, like at, in the so Duncan Idaho, his name is specifically referencing the likely state of referencing Idaho. the the the, the potato yeah. stato. Um, okay, uh, yeah, because uh, like the the appendices of uh, the book Dune outline like all the history leading up to it the development of the orange catholic church and the bene gesserit and all the politics that right. went into it and we don't even hear the term orange catholic in the movie which i'm like that's a good idea because a lot of people would be very confused by that um, <laughs> because i i sure as hell still am But yeah, uh, getting out of the Harkonnen attack, uh, Jessica and Paul f- crashed one of their dragonfly ornithopters in the desert, and they got to hang out in that piss tent uh, before they try to escape. <laughs> yeah, that is what it is. Um, piss tent. All the, there, I guess there was a line in the 1984 version. The book is very detailed about how the still suits keep water in your body uh, yeah. and keep you hydrated. But I guess there was a line in the original Dune that said, uh, feces and urine are stored in the thigh pads and i'm like you know i could have used that kind of detail in this movie because that's a fantastic <laughs> sentence <laughs> gross <laughs> um, yeah also like i fucking i don't know if this is the best place to drop it in but there's this whole dynamic of like the sandworms like specifically sensing like their prey through sound and vibrations and shit through yes, the ground or whatever yeah. Con- so yeah, they have regular to, so like when set them off right so like when paul and jessica are like you know traveling through the desert they have to like use this specific like mm-hmm. you know fremen walk that that paul learned about by studying the planet that's like this arrhythmic sort of walk where they're not you know mm-hmm. uh where they just sound like the the like the the natural like rhythms and shit of the desert which i thought was a cool detail yep and it yeah. also is like, hey, you know, it pays off to actually give a shit about the fucking planet that you're colonizing, I guess. Um, even though, and that, yeah, I mean, which it's, is all, also it's a whole that, weird thing in this. <laughs> it is. It is. That's also an explicit theme of both the book and the movie is that the Harkonnens were like, we're here to exploit the planet. And yeah. then and, and it is still white saviory. And people are wondering, like, are the movies going to do anything better about this? But the yeah. Atreides are at least coming in with the idea of we want to elevate you and like, like we want to work with the yeah. Fremen. And, you know, and there's like a whole lot about that narrative that seems like it, it like it like it's sci fi. So it's far removed enough that you can be like, OK, yeah, sure. This one rich family is actually full of good people and they're trying to do the right thing. Right. But there, there's a part of that narrative that I feel a little bit to, uneasy yeah. about for the white You're, savior reason where it's just like, yeah, yeah. But who are we comparing this I, to? Because <laughs> because that doesn't really exist. I don't think that's going to get much better in part two. Well, be, and this is actually a good point to bring up when they're hanging out in the piss tent trying to survive the night. Um, uh, Paul 
sort of catalyzed from the spice, his dreams yeah. take on a much more vivid form where he essentially prophesizes a war between the Fremen and uh, the Harkonnen and the Sardaukar, which are em empire forces that the yeah. Sar that are working with the Harkonnen. A lot, of, a lot of hay about that in the book that I'll get into if you're curious, but like... Okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Yes. Real quick, just to drop back here for a second. Mm -hmm. Chowder, are you following? Does this make sense? Do you have questions? Uh, <laughs> I, I have many Before, questions. just after Colin just jumps through an entire sentence that is mostly Dune made up work. <laughs> okay, so, okay, yeah, okay, okay. So, so the plot so far is... Uh-huh. The Harkonnens are getting really rich off the spice that they found on Doom, yeah. right? And uh, yeah. yes, and so the Empire doesn't like that they're getting so rich, so they have the Harkonnens uh, put the Harkonnens on a job that they know the Harkonnens are gonna get fu fucked on. So trap, right? And no. the no, <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, yeah, the Atreides get put on the job that will fuck over the Harkonnens. Okay, yes, the I Atreides. You, you said Harkonnens twice. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, the Atreides get put on the job that'll fuck over the Harkonnens and and themselves and themselves. And so, so the whole the Harkonnens like before the the plot of the movie started, they were the ones on Dune getting rich off well, of it. Yeah, the Empire yes. moved them off Dune and put the Atreides there instead. Okay. The Atreides were the ones that that were like that. The Empire was worried about them getting too much power. Um, also probably the Harkonnen, but like, that's the one that it's like, though, yeah. that's our people. And the, and so by being moved onto this world, the empire is setting them up to fail so that the Harkonnen can come and invade and take back what they had originally, basically. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. I got it. Yeah. And, and so it's a little, it's, it's a little flip floppy where it's like, you know, before the movie starts, the Harkonnen are the ones on Dune and then the plot of the movie is the Harkonnens taking back Dune from the yeah, Atreides. So it's that, a little that, weird if you're if you miss a detail or two because then it's like, wait, were they the ones who were here or are they the ones who are invading? It's both. I think I you know? like I know I know that this is a, a pretty complicated bit of detail. The movie, honestly, the plot really is that simple. Harkonnen have yeah. Dune, Atreides have Dune, Harkonnen take Dune back. That's pretty much where we are in the movie right now. Uh, yeah. But like it does speak volumes to the version of the movie you have seen, Chowder, that uh, that has is still was still not very apparent at this point in the conversation, <laughs> even though you've watched an adaptation of the book. Yeah, is a a, a failure of vision. Um, but uh, I, I'm blaming the movie, not you. I want to be very clear in that. I think no, no, I got, given, I got that. Um... You've not been given a fair shake. <laughs> so I guess yeah, that's where we are. So okay, before I start rambling, I don't want to just go down my own rabbit holes. So do you guys have any questions? of me that might clarify what's going on in the in either film uh okay so yeah. does does is there like a in the 2021 movie is there like a, a kid who's like super powerful god jesus thing or does that just not happen at that point i mean that's that sort of paul but he's no not no no really no not paul like a like a girl uh oh, yes oh, oh, so no. okay oh? so there are <laughs> There are a couple things. A lot of the stuff that you're that you just sort of touched on 
involves characters named Aliyah, Chani, and Fade Rautha. Yep, yep. We Those are the we, characters. Yep. Yes. Chani is played by Zendaya. She delivers the opening monologue, and we do meet her at the end of this movie. Yeah, she's like largely not in the movie. Like she gives the opening dialogue. He sees her in visions, and then she shows up as an actual character in the last like 10 minutes. Fade Rautha. I think Fade Rautha is the, if you're talking about a Jesus kid, I think that's who you're talking about. Fade Rautha as of the Harkonnen house um, is is hinted at in this movie in an exchange between Jessica and the Bene Gesserit. Like they're aware of Fade Rautha, but never mentioned by name, does not show up. I assume will show up in part two. The girl- They just haven't cast them yet. <laughs> okay, yeah. because now, cause the, here's the thing about the David Lynch movie. It mm-hmm. tries to shove the entire book into one yeah. movie. And and, uh, and, the, and like the 2021 movie, from what I'm understanding, just adapts part of the book and part two. Yeah, so actually, that was a big question a lot of us had going in is where's the book going to split? The book is actually split up into three books. The longest is book one, and then book two and three are shorter. This basically cuts off right at the end of, quote, book one in the book. So now the part two looks like it's just going to be those second two parts. And that's where the characters you've mentioned come in. So we don't see them here. Gotcha. Like part of my confusion is simply, wait, (sighs) because like I'm like construing parts that happen in uh, later parts of the book, but but like the movie doesn't ever get there and so yeah, yeah. no that, yeah. that's totally fair um so at this point as we sort of paused our summary in the piss tent here after the escape from the harkonnens jeff do you have any questions for me before Wait, we one proceed? more question oh yes Chad. you're saying piss tent right yes like that, okay <laughs> yeah yes. it, it, fucking, it takes their pee and it, and it fucking purifies it and gives them shit to drink so they keep them hydrated gotcha. yeah. why he's calling it that yeah. I did like, um, I, what I did like about the visual design of this is the piss tent, I'm pretty sure it had a straw, I know the suits have these straws in them, but like the tent yeah. had a straw in it that they could drink of, and that just made me think of like those cups I had as a kid, where you could like, the cup <laughs> was the straw, and I would just like suck the chocolate milk right. through the cup itself, <laughs> really gave me those vibes, the piss tent. Yeah, did. the tent had like fucking veins. <laughs> That it was, like, yeah. moving the the liquid it's, around him. Again, really cool, Weird. subtle visual design. They never explain how it works, but, like, you just kind of get it. Paul says, yeah. like, he, Paul says in his, like, breathy, de- his breathy voice, like, it recaptures the water. I'm going to piss all over this tent. But that's kind of all we get. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like Nicholas Cage, the way he just said. I'm going to piss all over this tent. <laughs> So, okay, so let's let's follow a few of our characters. Um, the uh, I do want to emphasize, just because it'll be important for part two, when in the piss tent, the spice drives Paul crazy, and he has a vision of an upcoming war between the Fremen and other right, people, yeah. and, and he's very, very worried about it. That's all I want to yeah. say. He's very worried about this vision. And he also, like, all of his visions have prominently featured uh, Ch- Zendaya's Zendaya. character. Chani. Zendaya, yeah. whichever. Um, and... Yeah, so, like, which, you know, it, it's, I'm not sure if they're just fucking setting it up and being like, oh, he's he's really horny for this girl that he keeps seeing in his dreams, it's, or... The book like... does it, too. The book is a lot more subtle. The movie's pretty explicit about how the visions manifest to Paul. In the book, I'm going to yeah. confess, maybe I just missed the details, but, like, I didn't totally get that he was having these visions. It was pretty abstract about how it described his dreams and how they were mm. important to him. But in the visual medium, you can't 
hide the fact that like, oh yeah, that's Zendaya. <laughs> I saw her in Spider-Man. Like you're not going to hide that fact once you put her on screen. So they lean into it. But the book is a right, lot more yeah. subtle about exploring how these Mentat and these Bene Gesserit abilities are growing. Uh, I think the movie right. does a good job, but I think it's limited by the fact that it's visual. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So what what is the name of our, our person who's like the fucking the the woman who's fremen who's like an ambassador for the fucking oh yeah the ecologist uh kynes k-y-n-e-s yeah kynes so i mean she I, I was having a hard time following like her fucking motivation she is helping them yeah. right like <laughs> yeah i I, fa- I i found her glossed over the first time i watched the movie the second time i was like oh they put a lot of detail in there but it's very blink and you'll miss it she is yeah she, so like she I ends said, up dying. She doesn't have any, yeah, she doesn't have any power. So oh, she ends up just saying, like, fuck this. I'm not going to operate as the ecologist. I'm going to operate as a Fremen and try to get you guys the hell out of here. So she and Duncan Idaho, right, yeah. they both beat So, yeah, she helps, she helps them escape and then ends up, she, like, puts a thing in the ground that, like, specifically creates a rhythmic thing so that a sandworm comes in and so eats. So this is... This is actually the most divergent moment from the book so far because explicitly what happens, Duncan Idaho kills a bunch of soldiers and dies in the process while Kynes yeah. leads them out. And Kynes like says, you guys get in this ornithopter and fly away. Go fly into the storm. I'm going to go lead these guys out. She does exactly what you said. She puts the thumper in the ground, calls a worm, and it eats them all. The It's kind of like that in the book, but it she doesn't do it as a, in the book, he doesn't do it as a sacrifice to kill the other people. Uh, he does it after well, being chased think... away and, and wounded in the desert. Yeah, that, that's what happened in the movie, too. Well, yeah, but like in the movie, it was kind of like this cool, like, I'm taking you with me thing where the soldiers are right there on her. And yeah, she sure, summons but the worm. She, sets, and the... She, she puts the thumper in the ground. And then which does is not about happen to, in the like, book. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, she puts the thumper in the ground and is about to dip, and then mm-hmm. someone shows up behind her and stabs her. Yeah. And then they have this tussle, and then like as a last bit of "Hey, we're over here," she yeah. pounds the ground with her fist, and then the worm comes. So I don't yes. think she intended to die in that exchange. It was just because I, they not when they, she put out the, the thumper. Yeah, she took yeah. out these weird climbing instruments, which become more apparent at the end of the movie what they're for. Oh, oh you're right. Uh, she was about she put down the thumper because she was going to ride the worm out of there. She's going to ride the ride the worm. My nickname in high school. Um, <laughs> and so what happened in the book was uh, Kynes was injured and ended up landing it on sort of like a precursor patch to spice. Uh, the spice is shown in the movie as just like sort of like a cinnamony, like darker red sand on top of the real sand. But in the mm-hmm. book, it explains that there are these patches of material that need to gestate and then they explode and then they become spice. And in the book, what happens is Kynes is just thinking about the politics and the ecology of the planet, trying to think like, oh, God, I wanted to turn this place into a paradise. I wanted to bring all the water to the surface. I wanted to save everyone. And then basically the pre-sand patch explodes and then blows him into the mouth of a worm so like mm. it's kind of the same but it like the 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 movie uses this as an opportunity to give you an action hero moment and yeah. to explain the thumper visually whereas the book uses it to explain like what they're doing on dune in the first place what their goal is which is hinted at in the film is they wanted to make this like a paradise right because that's the whole that's this whole dynamic right is that like like originally when they went on to the planet like you know hundreds of or thousands or whatever years ago mm-hmm. they were going to like terraform it and actually make it like yep. a more livable world but then yes. they discovered the spice 
and and how valuable it was so they're like oh we have to keep this place a fucking desert wasteland so it's kind of this whole like oh they're profiting off of the planet by not making it better it's sort of like a reversal of you know of like typical like you know environmental destruction for the sake of profit and this one it's like oh we just neglected making it a good planet because of the the naturally occurring resources and stuff like that which is a a weird twist but it's an interesting dynamic um so yeah kind dies uh duncan idaho dies uh eventually like after you know getting out and being in the piss tent they get out they get out of the desert and like find like more solid rocky ground and then they meet they're met with a tribe group i don't know of Of, the fremen of of Fremen, uh, led by yeah. a character that we actually did meet earlier in the movie named Stilgar, uh, who like seems to be like a he seems to be like a leader of a group. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah. he was like, you know, when we met him earlier, he showed up and he was, you know, being like, "Yo, fuck you, fucking rich man, trying to new rich person coming onto my planet." And then he sort of he sort of ends up being swayed by like basically what what fucking oscar isaac is saying because he's saying like yo we don't we don't want to do that we don't want to oppress you like the fucking harkonnen did we want to work with you and he's like skeptical but seems to be like you know get some hope from that but but yeah so paul at least recognizes stilgar but that doesn't change the fact that um some people in this group are not happy that they're accepting strangers and then there's right. a ritual fight. Yeah, which seemed a and little. <laughs> it was pretty rushed nowhere, in the movie. In 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 the book, it was like oh, they were traveling over the course of like a couple days. Um, yeah, that would make more but sense. It's, it's, it is super compressed in the movie yeah. to the point where I don't think it it totally flows. But like we, no. the the Fremen recognize that Jessica is a, quote, weirding woman. She has the, quote, magic of the Bene Gesserit, which, again, is explained in the book as just advanced knowledge of physiology. Um, Mm. And they don't like that. And that disagreement of having her with them because they don't like her powers kind of leads to... So why don't they fucking fight her to the death? Well, because what happens is they're challenging her, but she subs in Paul as her champion. So according to the rules of the ritual... Yeah, according to the rules of the ritual, that's (laughs) Very motherly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> well he basically says like let me do it uh this right, is also true. where oh, fight we... my stead what okay wait what yep. <sighs> yeah well I, I mean at this point they have revealed that she's pregnant which paul figured out and she's like how the fuck did you know oh, that i forgot you know? about that yeah um it's it's there they don't make a lot of stink about it in the movie but she is pregnant with another child um as they're breathing in the spice they always say you shouldn't breathe in spice while you're pregnant you never know what kind of things could happen to your kid but you might turn into a fucking fetus baby that makes your you might turn into a, my, you might, might, yeah <laughs> might might uh make your child rapidly age to that of a 10 year old and then like give them like satan is, Satan's is that what is that what they did in the David Lynch movie with Aaliyah? Yeah. That's so fucking funny. Oh, that's great. Spoiler and, uh, alert. And that, also she, her daughter like, does become a character. Yeah. And also, like, she has this voice that, like, sounds like Satan gargling cocaine. Yeah. yeah. They do that a little bit in this one. That's yeah. like they, they do this weird effect when they're doing the the capital T voice where it's, like, sort of echoey and it, and it yeah. gets deeper. 
when they're like, like in the, when they're like, fucking kiosking yeah. them basically yeah uh, <laughs> like because in the book the idea behind the voice is that like the it, it they it's about subtlety they they create a voice that's so pleasing that like you just kind of go with it whereas yeah this movie pre- presents the voice in two ways and i like the first way first the movie actually opens with a scene of of paul and jessica having breakfast and she's telling him use the voice to make me give you this drink and the effect that they use is he speaks and we don't hear the word we see his mouth move but we don't hear the words come out and then his voice kind of like plays booming in her ears and i thought that was like that was a nice way of communicating that it is this super effect but later in the movie they do kind of resort to like the untie me don't throw me out of the plane like it just gets a very christian bale batman-y in a way that's a little silly um but anyway, during the fight at, at at this point in the movie, we meet Chani, and like Paul is like, "Oh my god, I know you from my dream." She's like, "I literally don't give a fuck. You suck. Get out of here. I'm better than you." <laughs> Which I thought was really nice that it wasn't like yeah. yeah. In the book, in the book, it is very much a meeting of like like they're kind of like, "Oh my god, I know you," and then we slowly see like destined lovers. Yeah, yeah. But in the movie, she's just yeah. like, "I I do not care about who you are at all." A lot. Which, a lot. To be fair. Uh, or unfair, I guess, rather, is kind of another fucking, like, white savior story trope, you know? Yes. Like, that's how it is in fucking Pocahontas and Avatar yep. and, you know, yep. all that. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, again, we're we're faithfully adapting a story from 1965, so, I mean... yeah. Right. They're, they're so picking and choosing their that. battles in ways that I think mostly work. Yeah, but I mean, they yeah, do yeah. Look, some some Orientalism is bound to make yes. its way in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so they have the ritual fight. Paul ends up beating the other guy, which surprises the hell out of everybody. They walk out into the desert, and the movie's over. And it's also a big deal because it's like it's heavily implied, like, oh, this is like obviously Paul's first kill too so it's like yeah, he's got, yeah, it has an true. effect on him which but, I, but i'm glad that, that is, they like you know that is where the movie ends yeah that's it which that's uh, the movie <laughs> which is so yeah not gonna lie i kind of wish is half I, a movie uh <laughs> yeah kind of wish i just uh watched the movie because not gonna lie i'm just like trying to piece things together i'm like should have watched the movie, to be watched honest, the movie. Are, that's sort of how it was while watching the movie as well so <laughs> yeah so this is actually something I wanted to ask about. I went in having read the book. I, I, okay, I fucking love the book. The book is so expansive and gripping and mind-blowingly good and detailed and compelling. It's so good about how it meets these mysteries out to you bit by bit by bit. And like part mm-hmm. of the enjoyment is like every chapter you're piecing together your understanding of the world. But because of my having read it, I had a lot of context for these things. So, Jeff, you haven't seen the movie once. Chad, are you having heard the movie half a time, I guess? Like, not is it good, but, like, how does this story hit you guys? Look, Dune has always been a story that I'm interested in, I was interested in, and it's always been on, like, my uh, books I want to read thing. And uh, it's probably going to be a book I do read, thanks to, like, audiobooks helping me, like, Mm -hmm. uh, just go through all the books I want to read. Like, right now I'm going through Sherlock Holmes, and it's like... Nice. And, you know, it is helpful because I, I can, like, just listen to it on a audiobook as narrated by Stephen Fry, and it's great. Uh, and Ooh, that's a great. This episode yeah, is sponsored pay. by Audible. No, Audible. Uh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, you know, 
So, like, Dune is a book I'll probably try to listen on audiobook at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, unrelated note, Sherlock Holmes, like, listening to the original Sherlock Holmes story, an interesting experience because, as you know, one old-timey british racism uh but also but also to like you get these moments where it's where it's like that you know something that the characters don't like for example you know there's this one case okay there's this one case where like the initials kkk come up and everyone's going KKK, who could that be? And you're just thinking the Ku Klux Klan. And oh, <laughs> just like things things that are much more like culturally, like the, the tone of the culture has shifted. So we just have absorbed this knowledge in a way. Yeah, that yeah. The and, in the book and, you know, interestingly yeah. enough, like the Ku Klux Klan are depicted as just like evil, like a secret society of evil villains. The same way that like we might, uh, the same way we might depict the Nazis today, you know? Yeah. Uh, right. Interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, or like how the Mormons are depicted as just like this secretive, secretive cult of assassins, or so you you fucking you don't even mean you don't even just mean things that the characters don't know that we know, but also things that the author might not have even known. <laughs> yeah, you read the speckled band, it's like that's not how snakes work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wikipedia like, was was not as heavily uh, regulated back then. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah back so i mean i i'm gonna say part of what i'm gonna say for the ratings but like it it, it was very interesting but the movie was such a slog like mm. like it, it it takes its time with everything which i think helps the movie in a lot of ways but yeah. also hurts it in some other ways. Like yeah, no, I I kind of agree, and, and, and I think it, it, it definitely it took a little too long it, sometimes. And there's like there's so much time that it spent like taking too long with things that I'm like, could you maybe have invested more energy in making this movie have like a an end rather than just having it be a setup for the next you know movie because yeah. it like it doesn't really feel like a complete film it, no on I, its I, own. It, it explicitly doesn't and i think that that's yeah. pretty ballsy because and, I, and I, I mean if you look at where it cuts off in the book it cuts off at the end of quote book one dune right um so like they're Which, just sort of matching what the book does so it's like uh, at what point yeah. does this become a very fi- like threading the needle between good adaptation versus good movie because you're right i mean it's clearly trying to do what like lord of the rings did where it ended yeah yes yeah yeah but here's the thing here's the thing so if you look at lord of the rings uh at the end of the first movie or at the end of the first hobbit movie which uh is another mm-hmm. example of the exercise of just follow me here it's another example of the exercise <laughs> of taking a book and breaking it up into multiple films so they have to manufacture an ending point that doesn't exist and i think yeah. the the first hobbit movie at least does give you a sense of catharsis about the relationship between thorin and bilbo that is manufactured more or less for the movie but gives the movie a capstone and dune yeah. does not try to do that at all yeah. this does not feel like a finished movie people were asking me what i thought about it after walking out and i'm like i'll be honest 
I can't fully form my opinion because I haven't yeah, seen yeah. the whole movie yet. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt when fucking the uh, when the first part of the Netflix Masters of the Universe Revelation yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah, we just it's talked like, about that. Part recently. one is just like, well, it's it's more like part one of part one, right? Like yeah, now it so, feels like we've gotten through a full season with part one and two, but it's yeah. just like, and I, yeah. you know, I I've got to reserve my judgment on on Dune a little bit because I don't know yes. where the rest of the story takes it, you know. Yeah, let me. Uh, t- it takes you to some crazy fucking places. Let me tell you, I'm so stoked for part two. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, it it definitely leaves off in a spot that just kind. It makes it. It's weird. It, I feel like it shouldn't make it this hard to like assess the movie, but like yeah. as a story, it's hard to say. Like, did it do a good job setting up these threads? I mean, I can compare it to the book, so I think yes, it did. But if I'm judging it on its own merits, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and it's, you know, it's that's really kind of where I'm at, too, where it's just like, it's sort of like all of my problems that I had with it sort of felt like things that I couldn't really blame on the movie itself more than like it adapting Dune. Like, yeah, it's just like I, I wasn't thrilled with the fact that we spent a lot of time caring about all these characters and then killed most of them off. And then yep. it sort of felt like, why did we waste time? characterizing that guy so, in like four and, and different one of the ways. characters you know what i mean it's so like- <laughs> something something that happens in the book uh i discussed uh the idea of the mentat so the two characters mm-hmm. i pointed out were thufir hawat the short guy that worked for the atreides and uh yeah. peter devries the dave demalstian the um the polka dot man guy who worked for the harkonnens when duke yeah. leto atreides bit his tooth and did the big stinky spit uh peter devries <laughs> died and in the movie we show him die but in the movie we also were never told this is peter devries he is a mentat for the harkonnens we just see right, him yeah. talk two or three times and then he dies yeah so you don't he really just care. seems like a fucking he just seems like a fucking you know the what second happens in command in kind of book. speaker for the king kind of person. Yeah, in uh, the movie. exactly. Like a big problem with the book is like a lot of what happens in the book happen in the heads of over. the characters. It uh, also happens over time. Over time, yeah. A it, long and, period of time. Yeah. yeah, and so like there's just all this stuff that couldn't be turned into a movie because, you know, mm-hmm. all the characters are thinking stuff. Yes. David Lynch I, I, tried yeah, to solve this problem. Used a, uh, David oh, Lynch yeah, tried to solve this problem. Yes. Two to pass some time. <laughs> Chatter, hit this point because I think I know what you're going to yeah. say. Definitely da- hit this. this is yeah, big. David Lynch tried to solve this problem by just, like, having the camera zoom in on the character's face and then, like, have, like, uh, a- ADR or just, like, them narrating without, you know, their, them moving their mouths or anything, and it's, like, that's us looking at uh, their, uh, their like, inner monologue, which is, which makes for very strange filmmaking where a character's yeah. just kind of standing there staring yeah. at another for, like, a really long time. Yeah, this movie does not fall into that trap, but specifically, like, t- to your point, Jeff, about, like, I don't know where this is going, like, the death of Peter DeVries excites me because what happens in the book is after Peter dies and the Harkonnens invade Arrakis, uh, Thufir, Hawat, the Mentat for House Atreides, he's still alive. So the Harkonnens kidnap him and force him to be their Mentat. And we see stories Mm. of him performing all these super calculations for the Harkonnens while also trying to figure out, I don't know who else is alive. I don't know if Paul is alive. Uh, but yeah. I think I can calculate that he is. And we get so much intrigue in that that is likely coming in part two, but we just didn't get to explore it here because to Chatter's point, the way that we would have to explore it would be very strange filmmaking. Yeah. I see. So two plus three times four 
is Paul's alive. Exactly. Yeah, that is <laughs> not like, compelling. What I think about the movie is like, it hardly feels fair to be like, oh, I wish this movie had like more of an ending when it's like, well, I don't really want them to construct one like in a way that yeah. like The Hobbit did because like ultimately yeah. I think that was to the detriment of, you know, of that the, franchise. That, that was talking about threading that needle. They lean more toward let's try to make a good movie uh, right. instead of make it a good adaptation. And I, it's like, in a movie that people already feel wishy-washy on, you gotta win adaptation brownie points, which The Hobbit did not, and this movie fucking does. Yeah, but I don't even think The Hobbit had a good en- good ending or a good... No, record. I agree. Yeah. I don't think it's a, I don't think because it's an it example doesn't... of a success. I think it's an example of that kind of decision. Gotcha. Right, because, like, when The Hobbit, like, you know, it sets up this thing with him and Thorin as, like, the, the capstone for the first movie, but then the, their relationship is just, like, hardly relevant for the rest of the for the other two movies so it's like well then why did we what you know it's yeah. like, <laughs> so uh, i have it's like, faith i have faith that with where dune part two yeah. is gonna have to go because dune part two has been greenlit it'll be out in two years they're working on it now um but i have faith that part two is gonna pick up on a lot of this stuff in an important way but like it really does not feel like this is the whole movie and that was on purpose but yeah. it, it does it leaves you in a weird spot when you're done because it is gorgeous it is concise it is well acted it is so thoughtful but it's not done that's the one thing yeah. it's not it's not done yep and i you know i think that like i i think that's probably a good point for us to move over to the ratings cuz i do have more to say but it's it's mostly based on like yeah. qualms yes. or things about the movie that you know so I feel like that would be better suited for the ratings section. So you guys want to head on into there? That, yeah, let's this, let's the ratings. Thank you both for a uh, a very in depth discussion. Now we're going to be moving on to the rating section, where uh, each of us asterisks are going to rate the topic on a scale from one to ten. Sandworms? Question mark. Hmm. I like sandworms. Mm-hmm. I like sand. Sandworms are pretty big. The Shai Hulud are extremely yeah. large creatures. Uh, one to oh, ten. Planets full of cocaine. I'm not gonna lie, that's bigger than sandworms, but I'm not gonna lie, a second time in a row, I like that better. <laughs> but the sandworms are like iconic. So iconic, well, yeah, we gotta be yeah. more. We gotta we gotta be more clever. About, uh, st- we get stink teeth. Okay, okay, um, okay. Let's let's just split the difference. Sandworms full of cocaine. Probably. Well, now not. you're getting ahead of yourself, Chowder. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. okay. I, scale on a scale from one to ten, cocaine worms. How do you feel about <laughs> Dune? Um, so the reason my asterisk is that I mean, Chowder hasn't seen it, so obviously he's not going to rate the movie. And, you know, he was already interested in seeing it beforehand, like, you know, you just said to us in our in-between time. But so it, it, Chowder, you can give some thoughts at the end, but you, you don't have to necessarily stick to a rating because, like, it, it doesn't quite fit what we're doing for this one. Um, but Colin, I, I'm going to start off with you. You're the knowledgeable person here on, on the source material. How did you feel about this movie? Um, I adore this movie. It, it very, so I'm a big fan of, of the director's work. Uh, the other movies I've seen of his are two of his biggest, uh, Arrival and um, Blade Runner 2049. Both are fucking masterclasses in, like, thoughtful, methodical sci-fi filmmaking. Like, if you haven't seen Arrival, like, go in blind as best as you can. That movie will take you on a fucking trip like nothing else. It's incredible. So when I found out he was doing Dune, I was like, 
Uh, I should probably read this because I like his movies. I'm going to want to see it. And it's like, I'm so into Lord of the Rings. I have read so, 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 so much Tolkien material on Lord of the Rings. I got to give Dune a shot. I, I read the book in anticipation of the movie and thinking I was like, I want to learn more about the movie. But I fell in love with the book and then immediately became nervous. Like, oh, God, how are you going to do this? <laughs> yeah. So so I'm going to sort of try to split the difference on my rating as, as um, how I think it works as an adaptation, how I think it works as a movie. As an adaptation, I'm astonished. I am so grateful to see an adaptation that really, really tries to communicate the tone of the book and the message of the book without getting tripped up by the detail. And I haven't seen this in an adaptation, I don't think, since the Lord of the Rings films. Um, the books were compared a lot back when they came out. Lord of the Rings was 51, this was 65, so there's a gap there. But here we are, 20 years after the Lord of the Rings movies, and I think these comparisons are going to continue to be made because they're complicated-ass yeah. books that are rewarding reads, and the movies somehow fit that into something that makes sense. Because I'm not going to lie, watching yeah. Lord of the Rings as a kid and as a teen, I wasn't like, I have such a deep understanding of this world. I'm like, I don't know how the wizards work. I don't know how Sauron's a flaming eyeball. I don't understand why it has to go in the volcano, but fuck, this is a good don't. movie. <laughs> and then I read the books to understand it. I have had the reverse yeah. experience here where I could imagine watching this movie and be like, I don't know what a Quisas Hapadak is. I don't understand what what all these fucking Benny Jezzies are doing in the in the in the sandy place, but like is I, I wanna I wanna learn more about it. I just happen to already know that stuff. So like I don't know, as I'm rambling, but as an adaptation, ten out of ten. I'm it is a fucking masterclass in how to adapt complex material. And I, it might be twenty years before we see something like this happen again. Just as a note, I've been watching I read Foundation and I watched the Foundation TV show. Both of them are good. <laughs> not the same. Just not the same. Um, that's an Isaac Asimov book that got adapted into a TV show, and it's ah. different. As a movie, I'm also astonished, but it is still half a movie. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan. Uh, for whatever criticism people want to lobby at his films and filmmaking, I enjoy his style of writing and directing tremendously. And I think Dune sort of falls in that camp in a way. It's not nearly as, you know, like self-serious and preachy. It's just trying to tell a story. But um, I, I want to make that comparison because I think this is a movie that rewards multiple viewings. Uh, even though I've read the book, watching the movie twice, I picked up on a lot more the second time because it does have that threadbare, simplified plot. But it does cram a lot more detail in there that you might expect so i think if you're looking mm -hmm. for this as a one and done movie you'll be disappointed if you're prepared to like put this as like this is one of the things i want to keep on my shelf that i revisit every once in a while i think that is that is what this movie is going to be for me like yeah. lord of the rings something that i always go back to and as that kind of movie i'd land at an eight just because i don't know how it's going to be paid Doom off director cut yeah, honestly, yeah, I I mean, we're going to get the director's cut technically when part two comes out because then we'll have the full movie. But it, I, it's I mean, I imagine they still had to cut stuff out in part two. Yeah, oh, for sure. For so, sure. But like, Chatter, did, did you, I, I just saw fucking Dune director's cut pop up in Google because Colin said Christopher Nolan as like, you know, someone he really likes and my mind immediately went, this film wasn't directed by Christopher Nolan, was it? No. So I looked up Dune Director, <laughs> no, so I saw Denis the director's Villeneuve. cut. So when Counter says Dune Director, 
our like director's cut, I was thinking, did you just Google the same fucking thing for the same <laughs> <movie>? <laughs> No, so I so I'm gonna split the difference. I think as a movie, this is like a seven or eight out of ten. Uh, because it's not finished. If it were finished, uh, if the second half is as solid as adaptation as this is, I think we're going to have a stellar two-part movie. That might be a 10 out of 10. But I'm going to split yeah. the difference. Uh, this movie is a 9 for me. That's a lot nice. of crackworms. A lot of crackworms. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I, I think I land a little bit lower than that myself. You'd be crazy not to. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've detailed some of my complaints already a little bit. It's like, it is a slog. Um, it does feel like part of a movie, not an entire movie, which is made more frustrating by the fact that it is also very long and a slog because it's like, you know, come on, like, you didn't, you didn't you get anywhere. Use some time here. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I haven't really talked about that, that made the movie a little bit rough to watch is, and this is probably just like a, a tonal thing for me personally, I, I wish there was a bit more levity in the story, literally at all. Like, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily fucking need the level of like, you know, like MCU style quips thrown in just for the sake of it or anything like that. But like every single character in this movie was just so serious and kind of miserable. And it, it made it kind of unengaging in a way that I found yeah. like kind of it made me disconnect from it a little bit. Um, yeah. But I mean, all of that is like, that's like a tonal thing that I can kind of get past. But that is something that made me disconnect from it a little bit in a way that like, you know, if I watch Lord of the Rings, which is, again, I think a very apt comparison, it's it's long, it's heady, it's got like a lot of things. But also there are characters in it who are having some fun. You know what yes. I mean? And I think it really needs that because already I find Lord of the Rings like kind of a slog to get through obviously because it's very long and it's you know it's got a lot of things that are hard to keep track of and subtle details that like it's hard to keep track of if you don't know the source material and i think that that is all present in this as well and will likely be present in the completed project um but without any of that levity it makes it less like it makes it harder to kind of keep track of all those complexities for me personally um yeah, I don't know. And again, like all the other things is like it, it really depends on where the where it's going. And like I, there's something that you just said, Colin, that I think really, you know, feels like how this is going to feel when it's all said and done is like complicated, but rewarding is like I felt rewarded for being able to follow any of these things because like it is kind of hard to keep track of, despite the fact that the plot is relatively simple. Um, so it's like it, it does feel like I, I didn't get out of the movie feeling like oh that was bad i felt i got out of the movie feeling like i could have enjoyed that more if it had these things you know what i mean like the yeah. difference there was like it feels very high quality and very well made and i i even though i haven't read the book i'm always a huge sucker for being like very faithful to source material because i think that like you know it's an important thing to do when adapting things in, in certain cases because like there's a lot of people that are very you know purist in terms of their media and that's not always the thing to cater to but when a, when a movie is able to successfully do that, I, I think that's very valuable. Um, but, you know, uh, again, like, without the, without the payoffs for a lot of those setup plot points that are coming later, you know, I have a hard time coming out of this movie being like, oh, I enjoyed that. I can't wait for more. It's yeah. more just like, I, I'm going to reserve judgment a little bit. So it's like, I'd probably give it like a... 
teetering between six and seven. I think probably I'd land on seven just cause like the visuals were great. I, I am definitely intrigued about where it's going. So it's definitely, it's hooked me. But, you know, there are there are parts of it is like, okay, I wish this was more of a story. I'd have a hard time recommending it to someone who's not into yeah. this thing specifically. That's is I guess that was where the I hardest thing it. that hit me when I walked out of the theater was I was expecting to tell my partner like she had uh, like we were driving home because I saw the movie yeah. and she went and did some other stuff. Um, and like I saw the movie, she's like, was it good? And I was like, I want to say I loved it, but I also need to make sure I didn't sound like I was yep. saying you should watch Dune because yep, I that- kind of don't think she should. I loved it. Asterisk. Uh, Your mileage may vary. Yes. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) That's calm. That is almost the exact same. That is, well, not the exact same because I wouldn't say I loved it, but that's a very similar experience that I had because, like, I, I was, you know, my parents came and visit for Thanksgiving, and uh, we were, me and Michaela were gonna go see it with them, and then Michaela ended up getting busy, so she didn't go see it with us, and then we left the movie, and uh, like, you know, she was like, "Oh, how was the movie?" And like, the first thing I said, it was like, "You would not like this." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. You would not enjoy this whatsoever. I see the yeah. value in it, but it for a. a a lot of people i wouldn't necessarily recommend it which is not I, you know d- don't misinterpret that as me saying like oh you fucking have to be like yeah. a certain level of intelligence to get this thing because like <laughs> even part of it to me is kind of a turn off you know you have it's to like, be you have to have a certain iq to understand rick and morty <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah, no, like, no i i think i think a, i think a better way to say that is um this movie does ask a little more of you than I think most movies do. Not just in like this yeah. movie is complicated, but also like faith that the second part of this is going to make sense. Yeah. Understanding that this is not building toward its own conclusion. Like, yeah. you gotta meet the movie halfway because it is half a movie. Right. And, and that is not necessarily what people are looking for when they're like, oh, do I want to watch Dune? But yeah, Chatter, do you have any? I, I We're going pretty long on this one. Chatter, yeah. do you have any thoughts after this conversation or any rating you'd like to slap on anything maybe you'd like to rate the 1984 david lynch adaptation i don't that, know that, that's definitely a two uh, anyway <laughs> i'm gonna have to, i really have to watch that at some point because it's one of those movies that's like i've heard is very bad but i think looks very interesting <laughs> it, 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 it is it is definitely uh bizo- it, it is definitely like an interesting experience not a good yeah, one, but an interesting one uh yeah. so like here's the thing i've already i'm already wanting to watch the movie i'm already wanting to read the book so like there's no uh there's not really much for me to say uh i guess my rating is just an undefined out of 10 uh fill it in when when it's uh possible uh yeah dune's always interested in me because like it you know it's sci-fi that like really thinks about like the inner workings of its world it to yeah. like a very very much to a very fine very degree like you know like you know there are plenty of settings where it's like uh, we're not really here for understanding how this world works we just want an excuse to do cool stuff and that's a fine right yeah approach to take but dune is a yeah. very okay we have this thing how does this affect the world we have uh yeah. We have this little detail. How does that affect the world? How does faster than light travel affect this world? How does blank affect this world? How does like these royal families affect this world? How do worms affect this world? Et cetera. <laughs> How do you Yeah, that's a that's a really world? good way of putting it, Chatter, because like that's definitely like that that gets to part of like why I would not recommend it to a lot of people is because like when you look at the movie and the book, I assume since it's so faithful of, of an adaptation, it's like 
The characters, meh, they're not the much are, of the anything. The characters are much stronger in the book, for sure. Fair. But, like, yeah. they're, like the characters, eh, the plot, for sure, is interesting, but is ultimately kind of simple. But the setting and the mechanics are really yes. the, the complex thing that it, that is fun to de- dive into. And I and think that, for a lot of people, that's not enough. Which is why I yeah. wouldn't recommend it to it, but but it and does again, go, that's, go that's so deep in that book. specific regard that it's like it's clear that it's like a yeah. you know if you don't enjoy this movie it's not because it's bad it's because it, it's not you know it's not doing something that you, that a lot of people are you know mm-hmm. interested in which is fine you know it's like you know I don't know yeah it's, it's, not a, it's not like a, so, has to be for everyone yeah so right before, it's like a specific we, sort of niche kind of thing. <laughs> So before we head out of this conversation, I do want to offer, do either of you have like, uh, do each of you want to ask like one question? Do you have any curiosities about this world that you would like answered? Or is that just me looking for an excuse to talk about the book? All right. Spoiler to me. Explain what okay. spice is. Jeff, are, are you okay if I if I explain this? I mean, if it's going to be like a big dramatic point in the in the later story, then I'd probably I, not want to hear it. But I, I don't know how they're going to drop it um worm poop is it is it a thing that's actually dramatic in the story like the reveal of it being dramatic or is it just something that doesn't get explained till later no i'm not gonna explain the intricacies of it no it's it's definitely the latter for me that was the biggest question in my head in the whole book what is spice? What is spice? And like I said, you can read through my notes on the book, and it's always me talking about what I think spice is. Very early on in the book, I was like, is this worm poop? And then at the end of the book, I get confirmation. It's worm poop. And I was just like, ah, it's worm poop. I got it. Uh, it, is, <laughs> yeah. it is worm poop. Uh, spice spice is essentially when But it's not when like a fucking eat, uh, it's not spice is people word. kind of reveal. <laughs> no. Spices, it's so I described well, I what happened in the book with Leah Kimes. Well, the fair the worm poop, like it gestates and like it needs to sit and like ferment, I guess. And like the way it interacts, the book is very detailed about how it interacts with the rest of the ecosystem. It then sort of becomes spice, and then it's purified through a process that is sort of dramatic. So I won't get into any of that. But yeah, it's worm poop, and they use cool. that worm poop for base travel. Getting yes, high. to quote Zendaya in the movie. Uh, it is the most, worm poop is the most valuable thing in the galaxy. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Fucking, that reminds me, though, another complaint I had about this is that, um, like, and, like, you can write this off, but, like, the, the fucking size of the worms was kind of inconsistent in this movie. And, like, That's yeah, you could the say. Worms are, no, the worms are all very different sizes. The book actually yeah. measures them individually. Sure. Uh, there are massive but, worms and then much smaller worms. And to be fair, the size of worms in real life are pretty inconsistent. Right. No, it's yeah. one of those things, though, where it's like, okay, that all makes sense. And, I, and, and it's clearly justifiable. But... It is notable to me in the movie how whenever a worm shows up, the thing that it's eating is always the same size in comparison to it than That's every fair. other time that we see it. You know, I'll so it you feels like it's yeah, a widely weird scale because like the when the worm comes up and eats the people, it's a worm that is sized where it's like maybe four times lo- its mouth is like four times larger than the people. And yeah. when the worm shows up and eats the spice mining thing, 
it's sized where the mouth is four times larger than the spice mining thing. So it feels very like weirdly disconnected nah, where it's like there's never a mention right, of like, right. oh, that's a little one. That's a big one. It's just the like, book does okay, I know those could that, be yeah. different sizes, but that feels very inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. All right. That, uh, yeah. Anyway. Very yeah, cool. Do, I, I think, you have any, uh, do you have any book questions before I shut my mouth? I, I've got questions, but they're all things that I feel like are going to be presented as answers to me in the next film so they're not things i want answers to right now if that Fair makes enough. sense you know yeah no, like there's sure. nothing about this movie specifically that i feel like i need cleared up because i feel Ooh. like all the things that i'm wondering about are things that i'm not supposed to know the answers to currently makes sense if that makes sense so yeah i think that's probably a good place for us to wrap it up um Thank you for listening to the Common Geeking Program. Again, I've been your host, Jeff Levitt. Uh, you can find me. I've got a, uh, a YouTube channel that I do toy reviews, if that's your thing. Uh, that's called Alchemist Prime Reviews on YouTube. And again, I've been joined by Colin and Chowder. Uh, either of you have things you want to toss out there? Uh, nah, I'm so busy playing Halo lately. You can check out other podcasts, but I'm playing Halo. I'm busy. Yeah, yeah I'm Taimu or Chowder, whichever you prefer. Uh, I'm actually pretty busy for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I'm not fucking telling anyone to reach out to you guys for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, if you uh, you know if you like uh, uh, hit, hit me up, we can like plan something out in a couple of weeks. Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, my Twitter is... will schedule you in. I'll schedule. <laughs> yeah, I'll pencil you. I'll pencil you in somewhere. Uh, Put you on the calendar. Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, I got a Twitter at Time Will Chowder. Uh, I'm also on our sister podcast Dice Populi. Uh, we just finished recording an episode of Entrenched. I just suck at role playing games. I guess. No, nah, man, that was super funny. I'm very, I, I loved everything about how you played that. So, so fucking good. That's a Patreon bonus thing for those who All are right. curious. All oh, right. It's so right. funny. <laughs> anyway, anyways, yeah. Ciao. Well, yeah, well okay. oh, I know. I got to wait the... for the ciao. Yeah. All right. So, cha- yeah, 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 you cha- so cha- chatter's done with the episode. Jeff and I are going <laughs> to finish it, apparently. <laughs> That's how Chowder left the last common common geeking program too, because <laughs> yeah. we fucking scheduled it bad and and we ended up Jocelyn and I ended up talking about whatever the fuck we were talking squid about. Game. For much it, longer. it was the Chowder squid was game like, episode. I've got yeah. work. Oh, yeah. squid game, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, take us out, Jeff. Anyway, our next episode of the common geeking program is going to be another common briefing program where we will. Uh, talk about the geek news for the month of december and maybe i don't know we, we could do something kind of special about the whole year if we wanted to um yeah, we, 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 might, we might that that episode will be airing on the first friday in january which thankfully is the 7th meaning that oh, thank the first of january is on a saturday which gives us a little bit of wiggle room a little bit of extra um, time and the uh, the next uh, episode of the regular Common Geeking programs where we'll do a deep dive on another topic will be on the third Friday in January, which will be the 21st. Oh, God, the 21st of January. That's so far from now. I love that. That is. Uh, no, it's ridiculously far. Uh, hey, maybe we'll talk about the new Spider-Man, unless it sucks, but who knows? You know what's not going to suck? Uh, talk probably. What's, the, what's not, what's not going to suck, probably? Spider-Verse across the... Oh, yeah. Okay. We yeah. got a sweet, Except juicy we teaser. Can't, 
we fucking cannot talk about that in uh, in, in January of 2022. Yeah. Since a, that movie's coming fucking, out in October. That'll be a November of 2022 kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. All right, I have to but, go make uh, some yeah. mac and cheese, so I'm on my way out. Anyway, thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing, and everything that you do, and we will talk to you next time. Now is the yeah. place for the chow, though. Oh, dur. <laughs> then this is dur. the longest dur. dur Belated wait. dur. Belated right. dur. <laughs>this episode of the common geeking program is hosted by jeff levitt joined by colin ketchin and timel chowdery this episode is sponsored by space heaters the only thing getting me through this sudden cold snap uh the podcast is created and produced by myself and jeff levitt with this episode edited by me uh, music and stuff all uh, also by me um we'll be back in a couple of weeks to ring in the new year with a new briefing program on all the geek stuff that's happened up till now and we'll probably have an episode on Spider-Man No Way Home after that. Uh, just because we all saw it and we all have feelings. But we will talk to you then, and thank you for listening to this. And, and that is not necessarily what people are looking for when they're like, oh, do I want to watch Dune? When you, yeah, said, when, you, mean, when you said half a movie, you cut off halfway and it's like, wow, that's kind of appropriate. <laughs> so yeah, it was half a sentence. Yeah.